Find Cody Willard on Twitter and on Scudify, and find Cody Willard's band, The Muddy Souls, on YouTube and SoundCloud. Whoa, no boo, ho, we get a clue, yo, do I blew your mind from you, you to Soho. Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls, get around like hobos, yeah, we be tearing it up. You gonna get it, how you giving it up? This is Cody Underground, I am Cody Willard, and today I have Bob Lussets, the king of music analysis, a brilliant technologist. If you guys don't read him, you should. You go to leftsets.com, you sign up, and I've been reading his uh, email blasts for, I don't know, maybe a decade now, and um, they're always intriguing and interesting. And uh, Bob, welcome to uh, Cody Underground. Good to be here under the surface. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, where where do you want to start? Okay, well, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it a much bigger thing. The landscape is littered with people bitching, okay? The reality is, I'm talking about musicians specifically and other people in the music business. The reality is that music uh mirrors the and I'll be very specific to the United States, some of this applies internationally, some does not. I'd be willing to answer those questions. But certainly in America, music mirrors the country at large. We have incredible income inequality in the country at large. We have the same thing in music. If you are a superstar, a very thin layer of superstar, you are making more money, even on a dollar-by-dollar adjusted basis in the last 20 years, than you ever have, okay? Because concert tickets have far outpaced inflation, and there are ways to monetize that you never could, or income streams that have really maxed out. The endorsement sponsorship field has gone crazy, and the privates have gone crazy. Even the Rolling Stones played privates. A superstar can easily play for seven figures a night for 45 minutes' work. So the people people who are bitching about music payment tend to be the old middle-class artists or lower artists. The bottom line is not enough people are listening to their stuff. Okay? Well, and, and, and that's exactly it. I mean, unless you've got a catalog of hits that you're able to lean on, I mean, I, I can't name for you a single top ten hit from the last five years. I mean, I, it, it, where is there an, the opportunity for – more than a handful of Katy Perry's and Justin Bieber's out there for the younger generation. Forget the old fogies. I mean, they're going to bitch. They're they're struggling. They don't get the new paradigm. But what about the new generation? Kids who are teenagers with real talent who've been practicing and putting in their thousands of hours and learning their instruments and practicing that trade. And when do they have the opportunity to make hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year over the next ten years? Well, we got a couple of things going on here. Let's start with money in general. There is not the amount of money in music that there is in other uh, gigs. Give you an example. You two went on, they're on the road now, but the previous tour was a stadium tour, two and a half years. They split the money five ways. At the end of two and a half years, they made a little less than 50 mil a piece, okay? They try not to pay taxes, so let's just assume they didn't. And they made 20 mil a year at that rate. That's a good payday, okay? But they couldn't work at all after that in terms of taking money out of the market. And now they are playing arena dates, which are lucrative, but nowhere near as lucrative as the stadium dates they used to do. This is so the if they did 20 stuff. million a year doing stadiums, what are you, ballpark, what are they going to make uh, over uh, in arenas over the next year? 
let's put it this way: an arena holds fifteen to twenty thousand, a stadium holds forty to a hundred thousand. Okay. So, I mean, you're talking maybe you know maybe five million. To, if they make twenty million in the stadiums, they're going to make two to five million in in the arena business for the next couple of years. I would say you know, there's a good chance the number's a little bit lower than that. Let's say one to two in a uh, an arena, or it could be up to two and a half. That'd be really stiff. But you can make double or triple that in the stadium. But we're okay. still talking U2. I mean, and we're still talking an older fan. Okay, but hang, hang in there. Hang in there. So the point sure. being that if this is U2, the most successful act, there are people in finance who make $20 million, make a multiple of that year in and year out. So it's not like the 60s where a musician in America who is rich is as rich as anybody else. That is not happening. Okay. To answer your earlier question, okay, we our problem is not that there's a lot of great talent that has not surfaced. Okay, because the history of recorded music is available at our fingertips, we are only interested in something as good as Joni Mitchell, as good as ACDC, as good as the Rolling Stones, as good as Led Zeppelin, because those are at our fingertips. Where prior to the internet era. You know, no one had all those records. So we were the big hurdle was to get a record deal. Record companies controlled radio. If something got exposed on radio, you were successful. That paradigm has been blown to hell. However, the paradigm still exists to a degree, such that if you get signed to a label and they get you on radio, you can make good money. That's what's happening in the pop world. But pop is not dominant like tracks were dominant prior to the Internet era. But other than that, it's just utter chaos, and it's hard for the populace to comprehend what's going on. And so a kid who's 18 years at home, 18 years old at home, who's got talent, can sing, play a couple of dis- different instruments, what what is his business model? What, what, how do you – There is no shortage of – there's no shortage of money for people who are uber talented. It used to be someone in your neighborhood had a good voice, could write okay songs, and was relatively good looking. That's not enough now. <laughs> now you have to be as good a guitarist as anybody ever was, and you have to write phenomenal songs. Most people. How, how does a Justin Bieber happen then? Is that just all manipulation and his well, Justin Bieber's two things. You know, don't forget, the paradigms keep changing. Justin Bieber was a YouTube sensation. We no longer have YouTube viral hits because the last one, three years ago, the Harlem Shake by Bauer, came out that it was manipulated. So the public is sophisticated. So the whole thing of zero to hero on YouTube doesn't happen anymore. A, Bieber started before that paradigm. Now he is working with the most talented people in the business. He's singing on a Diplo track. Diplo is one of the most talented creator producers in the business. The Weeknd has a big hit now. He worked with Max Martin. There's a thin layer of these guys, none of them extremely young, most of them in their 40s, some even in their 30s. They've been doing it for 20 years. They have the experience. Therefore, someone like Bieber, he works with those people to make pop music. So that's why he continues to be successful. Is it is that similar to what say Michael Jackson did? You said you talk about the weekend, and by the way, you turned me on to him last week or a couple of weeks ago in one of your um, email blasts. I clicked on some of his music and ended up listening for about a half hour to several different songs. It was great. Is that he? And he reminded me of Michael Jackson, frankly, some of his style well, and certainly and, Michael and Jackson made it as a solo. He put out solo records earlier, but his breakthrough was 1979 off the wall working with Quincy Jones. 
And of there course, the album after, album after that, you know, not only did they have a cornucopia of writers, Rod Temperton and other people, they had a cornucopia of players. You know, Eddie Van Halen played on that album. Right. Lucas played on that album. So the paradigm is similar, yes. Okay. Then let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about the the, the actual technology and companies that are facilitating the ability for us to have every major album at our fingertips. Spotify, in my mind, is the de facto standard. It's the clear winner of this n- next iteration of how we consume music. It was it's their game to lose. And talk to me. Am I wrong? Is it? Do you see Pandora well, you having power? Is for, Apple? You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. Just because there's more in the landscape. Let me be very clear. It's not that what you're stating is incorrect when it comes to people paying for music. It's that there's a plethora of people who are not laying out cash. So what Spotify did was it eradicated the piracy in the business. It's easier to go get a free account on Spotify than it is to steal the tracks. However, the number of people listening on Spotify is dwarfed by the number of people who stream for free on YouTube. Okay, so we have YouTube streaming already won. People talk about, oh, you know, I don't like streaming. If you look at the consumption of tracks, whether it be buying tracks, buying CDs or streaming, streaming far outpaces everything because people are listening at infinitum on YouTube. Okay? Right. I mean, you got, so, you'll have bands with like, you know, ACDC or all, all the bands you name, they, they'll have 50 to 500 million listens per major track on YouTube. And the Spotify numbers themselves are maybe one-tenth of that, and then you can imagine nobody's actually buying those albums and listening to tracks on a cassette or a CD these days. Well, as I say, the number one, who get, no one cares anymore if somebody's buying somebody except for the labels who have an antiquated business model and don't want to give that up. The number one thing, for, if you're an artist today, is mindshare. Can you get somebody to listen at all? Okay, you get somebody to listen at all, which is the most difficult hurdle. Then you're on your way. You know, you you will pay people to listen if they're willing to listen. Okay, that's the number one hurdle. The question you're arguing about is when people do pay for music, which they're starting to do now, but the vast population numbers of the population do not. Which platform will win? We presently look at Spotify, let's leave Apple out, Spotify and the Seven Dwarves. There's Deezer, there's RDO, at every market there's a different one. Although Deezer has a lot of traction in France, in most markets, Spotify dominates, okay? Now, Apple comes in. The theory is, since they're Apple, they're automatically win, but there are a couple of caveats. First, if you know your Internet history, AOL got a lot of traction, and Microsoft said, we're going to compete with the MSN network. That did not defeat AOL, just like we have Pandora, which is a streaming music service, which is it's like radio, which is different from an on-demand service like Spotify. Make it even more complicated, all the on-demand services also have radio. And going back to Apple, they launched iTunes Radio, didn't put a dent in Pandora. I don't want to go too deep here, but these issues are important. Pandora, because of licensing issues, only functions in the U.S., so iTunes Radio has some impact outside that. Just like Apple Music, the new on-demand streaming service, they're even in a couple of markets that Spotify is not. But Apple's big problem is that they say there's only 90 days free. Even if Spotify didn't exist, you are competing against completely free on YouTube. Therefore, they can never lasso everyone into paying at the present time. Is there something to be said for the ease of use 
even, I mean, I, you and I, this is a different topic, really, but um, it would be a different topic if we really talked about how hard it is to use the new Apple Music Pro app, but it's still easier to use and to find music on Spotify and or Apple Music than it is on YouTube. Personally, I think that's true. I don't. Do you disagree no, with that? I, I, you I, know, I, you, no, I, I would, I would argue that you can go and Google. Needless to say, YouTube is owned by Google. But you can go to regular Google homepage. You can go to YouTube. You Google the shit, it comes right up. Yeah. Whereas yep. even getting to search in all in RDO, Spotify, Deezer, it's not. There's not instant search everywhere. Sometimes you have to go back in the page. You have to pull down right. the window. I mean, so even I just like you're saying. You could open your browser window, you type in ACDC Thunderstruck, and it's going to show up video YouTube link first thing embedded on that page in your in your in your mobile phone. Exactly. Now, as I say, we are moving, and I use this uh, example all the time. If we go back to the ancient days of the seventies, I had a dial phone. I moved in with some woman. You had to pay three dollars extra for a push button phone. She had a push button phone. When I broke up with her, I had to have a push button phone. Because it was interminable to use a dial phone. <laughs> so that is what is going to get people to subscribe, is convenience along with price. Needless to say, YouTube is a lousy experience on the mobile handset. And certainly outside the United States, but also in the United States, there are huge bandwidth issues if you're outside of Wi-Fi area. So YouTube is not a solution for the mobile handset. And we're moving to a mobile world. So therefore... Because of these issues, if everyone were in the business were to drop the hysteria, they will see a greater percentage of the people will pay just because it's easier. Just like uh, uh, Google has their music key product, because YouTube itself is a bad example. It's like, say, you can go steal the music, and you can have it, but you're better off having it on Spotify. So it's the same convenience issue as we move into further mobile utilization. Bob, I remember maybe... Ten years ago, you talking about you got to buy Apple stock. I mean, it was probably a split adjusted five dollars a share at the time, and I actually already owned it, and I was blown away with how bullish and you know you normally don't write about stocks and stuff, but I don't even know if you remember this, but you wrote I do article, believe you know, me, I do because everyone buy Apple. Everyone assumed I bought it, and I didn't because uh, that's not you know I'm not a holder of these stocks, but. If you, I think the question you're asking is, should you hold it now? The bottom well, it, line, really, I wanted to let me frame it a little even broader. Lay it out for us. Apple, Google, Pandora, those are the uh, maybe uh, a couple other publicly traded ones that people could own or short. What do you look at the landscape in two years? Who's going to be the winner and who are going to be the losers? Okay, this is really about the pivot. And what do we know? The two best pivoters are Zuckerberg at Facebook and Bezos at Amazon, okay? They have an engulf and devour philosophy. So if you look at Facebook, and I'm not a big fan of the Facebook platform in general, okay, Be for numerous reasons, because a lot of times uh, these are shrines to the people themselves, tends to have an older demographic. But what this guy did was he coded for mobile and HTML5. That didn't work. Threw it aside, okay, rewrote the program. Then he figured out mobile advertising. This is something that Google is still hamstrung by. Now he's trying to become a news portal, okay? Now, now the, literally today or this week, it's about becoming a video portal. Irrelevant of the underlying theory, uh, traditional Facebook, 
Here is someone who's saying, I need to make comprehension out of the chaos. And you say, hey, that's a winner. Okay, Bezos, he's constantly thinking forward. Unfortunately, his hit-to-shit ratio is not – it's like Google. <laughs> he, he has a lot of failures, okay, like the Fire Phone, et cetera. In addition, the company tends to lose money. Okay, but he is playing for the future. It's like Bob Dylan. He's not busy born. Busy being born is busy dying. Okay, when you look at Google, Google's got a huge problem because traditional search does not work well on the mobile handset. Okay, even if they, you know, the traditional theory is people just go to apps. Will they go to a Google app for search? Or will they use their devices completely differently? Most people think they'll just go to apps. The final chapter has not been written. So you're looking for people who are constantly two steps ahead of the public. Even we have Zuckerberg who bought WhatsApp. We can argue all day whether we overpaid for it, okay? But at least most people in America were unaware of the footprint of WhatsApp around the world. And a billion people. It's, it just right. passed a billion people. Well, and, that's interesting. On several layers, just Facebook itself um, looking as a – you mentioning them as a potential music winner is very interesting, and I think you're right on that a lot. Facebook hasn't had the the misses that Bezos and Amazon have had repeatedly, and like you say, they make a lot more money. What about Pandora? Pandora's got a lot of problems. Radio is a feature. It's not a standalone thing. When you have Internet radio, the royalty uh, structure is very different from on-demand. For your listeners... If you get to pick and choose the songs, that's a different royalty rate than if someone is just playing songs at you. What Tim Westergren has done historically is establish a religion, not a radio station. Okay, so he you know he agitated for lower rates and he got everybody. He's got he's got a huge brand name. Financially, it is challenged for a number of reasons. Primarily because the lion's share of the money goes to rights holders. Okay. The other thing is all of these platforms have a similar product. Spotify has a streaming radio product. Needless to say, Apple has it. They all have it. So Pandora's real exit strategy would be to be sold to someone else, not to mention the fact they haven't figured out licensing in the rest of the world. So if we look back at the history of computing in the 80s, Spellcheck was a standalone product that you paid $35 for. Now Spellcheck is part of Microsoft Word, never mind a million other products, okay? Yep. That, the, the future of Pandora looks bleak. I personally don't like the experience of listening to it because I find it doesn't work, that the suggestions are fatuous at best, but, uh, you know, a lot of people bought into it. But it also indicates there's a huge audience that wants their music served passively. Right, And maybe right. they're more important than the active users. So I, I would just – two notes. Number one, you're talking about the app revolution, which anybody's followed me over the years for the last seven years. That's been my – you know, that's been my big theme is you've got to get in front of the app revolution. And then just full disclosure, I, I do own Apple, Google. I'm short Pandora, meaning I'm betting against them. I think it will be a single-digit stock someday. Um, so, you know, take any comments and leanings from me personally with a grain of salt. I got Bob as a fan of yours, and and haven't followed you forever. I, I got a final question for you, sort of to wrap this up, and that is, what is your business model? I've always, you know, I've been well, you know, confused I, you know, by what funny. do you do for a living? 
Okay, I'll tell you, you know, I'm a classic example of what I preach, and I didn't do it this way, but if you want to connect the dots. Prior to the Internet era, I produced a physical newsletter, and there's a whole story how I switched to the web, but, you you know, this podcast probably not long enough about it for it. But as a result of going online, the first time I put my newsletter online, it was astounding who I heard from. Forget the people who subscribed, who I sent it to, and forget the people they turned it on, turned on to it, but third parties. So my reach has vastly increased. So it's kind of like music. Once you put walls up that people can't get it, you're actually hurting yourself. So in my particular case, I do not charge for my newsletter to the regular subscribers, but people pay me to write articles, they pay me to reprint my articles, and they pay me to uh, make live appearances at a greater volume than they were when I was charging people for the newsletter. Exactly. And so you, I mean, it's almost like you've got a a product that you, that markets you, and you've got zero re costs on that product. You're using the Internet, you put you write it once on your computer, you put it on com. it gets blasted out to everybody, and it doesn't whether you've got 100,000 or 10,000 user readers of it, it's the same cost to you, and then you're able to monetize it by that reach, if I repeated that back correctly. Right. It's not an efficient system. It's not like making a car and someone pays $20,000 for that car. Is that the volume I write in does not uh, – it's not like if I write an extra article, I know that that's an extra $5,000. Right. But at right. least I, I love what I'm doing, so I'm following my passion of what's going on in the culture, and then as a result, it throws off this income stream. Is there any last words you'd like to get into this podcast? And I hope you'll come back and do this again because, you know, if you remember, you were on my show on Fox in 2008, and I had a blast. But, of course, that was like a three-minute interview because of TV constraints and whatnot. And here we can just sort of ramble freely and really get down to the nuts and bolts. So any any last words, though? Well, a few. As I said, I mentioned earlier uh, the chaos. The average person has no idea, staying with music, they have no idea what to listen to, okay? Therefore, someone who makes comprehension from the chaos will win. Presently, the people trying to do that, except for some recent efforts by Apple, which I don't think are the solution, i.e. beats one, they're doing it techies with algorithms because in reality it has to be hand-curated and has to scale. But he who tells us what to listen to will win. Presently, no one's doing it. I don't want... 2,000 playlists, one for when I fart, one for when I fuck, one for when I sleep. I Just tell me the three songs I have to listen to this week. And in addition, recommendation is a skill. You need to recommend the ones that I'm interested in. So in music, that is the interesting thing. The other thing is, yes, we live in a culture driven by money. So the power of art, of all art, is to speak truth to power. Instead, chasing the money, most artists are getting in bed with the money, and therefore they're losing their credibility. So I use as a classic example, what, three years ago, Jay-Z did an album that was sponsored by Samsung. I remember that, yeah. And they had ads during the NBA playoffs, and they paid for X number of albums, I think it was $5 million. 
Well, you know, needless to say, Samsung's got a billion-dollar advertising budget based on my sources, and I have no problem with Samsung. I have a number of Samsung products. But if Jay-Z had written an anti-Samsung song, all hell would have broken loose. Instead, let's, just, let, let, let's hit on that before we go. What is this? Is there another Grateful Dead, Neil Young-type mentality? I mean, I hear ACDC, which is probably my single favorite rock band, selling Walmart back in black a couple years ago. And is there are there real artists out there that are actually speaking the truth, fighting the rebel, fighting the corporations, fighting the major powers that be, the Republican Democrat regime. If I see even Grateful Dead go up and and and, and jam out with another Democrat or a Republican or whoever, I, I, that's all the power I'm trying to fight. I want to fight Republicans and Democrats. Where is that? Well, then, never under, music today? never underestimate the power of the individual. Two years ago, we had a worldwide hit, one of the three biggest hits of the year, called Royals by the Act Lord. And it was putting down the famous people, okay? It was a gigantic hit. So all we need are individuals. We don't need a, uh, a corporate movement. The barrier to entry is unbelievably low. We need individuals incredibly talented who are willing to take that step. And then a movement begins, Okay, we've had, a move, we've had a movement with what's Mexico. missing from the 2015 culture that was there in 1965. Most every major artist was fighting power. Now, they, they, none are fighting different. power. You know, they, okay, let's be very specific. We talk of the acts of the 60s. All of those acts grew up in a public school environment where there was music and art in the schools. Generally speaking, that doesn't exist. Most of the biggest hit makers in the world who are not Americans, they're all the beneficiaries of schooling programs. Adele went to uh, music school. Max Martin went to Swedish music school. The guy who wrote Wrecking Ball went to school. A, we don't have that. B, they're middle-class values. If you use Jefferson Airplane as an example, they yes. did the song, you know, Up Against the Wall, Motherfucker. That's a result of middle-class values saying, I have power. It's the opposite of Kardashian, which is kind of, they're phenomenal marketers, okay? But it's a manipulation from beginning to end. Let me tell you how I fake myself and I sell out to corporations so I can make money. This is a business example. This is not art, okay? So we don't have leaders. If you look at the Jersey Shore, which was the last big MTV show. These people, unlike the original people on reality TV, they don't even expect it to last, okay? They're doing it on a lark. And then it's over. So it's still, I think the culture is delivering the type of artists that we're getting, which are tend to be calorically challenged. And with those words, I'll say amen. And Bob, thanks so much for joining me on a podcast. I could go on like this with you for another half hour, so we'll just have to do another one soon. For, for the record, people, it's not impossible to book Bob. But I really do appreciate you taking the time this afternoon to chat with me, and uh, I'll get this published and talk to you soon. Okay. Later, Thank you, Baba. About how did he did it, what he doing to his artists and about the way he living. Take a hit, make a hit, keep a tunnel vision. Sign a deal with the fans, go to music prison. Who believe you a prophet when you enjoy your music? Sells advertisements, profits.
Show you. 